Welcome to episode 12 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We're talking this week Dubai Desert Classic on the European Tour and the Farmers Insurance Open on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me is our European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Hi, Paul. Good evening, Steve. How are you doing? I'm okay. And fresh from his travails in Edinburgh, we've also got resident guest Barry O'Hanron. How are you, Barry? Uh, full of peasy whiskey. How are you guys? <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks, Barry. Good. <laughs> Not as good as you, by the sounds of it. Uh, yeah, it was a great trip. I love that city so much. It's uh, it's that's just a wonderful place to go to. Great look to the place. Great atmosphere. The people are very friendly, and uh, yeah, the the variety of whiskey on top is um, it's just unparalleled. So uh, yeah, great great place. If anybody hasn't been to Edinburgh, put it on the list and wrap up warm. It is damn cold up there. Myself and the missus, we keep talking about going up there for like a Scotland Six Nations match. I think we'll do it. We'll do it one year. It'd be good to get up there for a, for a big game of rugby. Right, some housekeeping before we start. Uh, www.golfbettingsystem.co.uk. That's our URL. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting, nice and simple. And Barry is available at A Good Talk Golf. Now, before we crack on with the Farmers Insurance Open, Tiger Woods and all things like that, just a quick discussion about last week's um, two tournaments. Now, Mr Williams, he's basking in the glory of a 22-1 to winner last week in the form of Tommy Fleetwood, who I have to say was absolutely brilliant yesterday afternoon. We're recording this uh, Monday around about 6 o'clock. Uh, UK time. He was absolutely fantastic, Fleetwood. I thought in those windy conditions, Paul. Do you do you think he's got some some real um, opportunities when it comes to the majors this year? I think he has. Yeah, it, it, the performance yesterday was, as you said, it was outstanding. Um, and his ball striking for the first uh, first three days was was great. And we kind of touched on his uh, longer putting um, when we talked this time last week and. Uh, that's really what won it for him on the uh, on the back nine. He was holding absolutely everything, um, you know. And you combine that kind of um, prowess on the greens when when it comes for Tommy um, with his ball striking. You know, he's he's got a chance wherever he goes, isn't he? You know, you, you he wasn't overawed by the, uh, the the people that he was playing um, against this week. Um, and uh, why should he be in the majors as they come up this year? I think you know he's got he's got a chance at uh, Augusta. Um, he's got a chance at all four of them, I think. So uh, big year for Tommy, I think. Big year. He was making some serious bombs, wasn't he, Barry, on that back nine? Oh, those back-to-back putts were just. Uh, I think that's it. You know, he's just got to he's just going to get the ball around the last few holes. Really, at that stage, I mean, the belief he's going to have in every part of his game after draining those two monsters. Uh, I know it's it's probably hard not to win from there the way he was playing. So we've we've got a guy that can hit tons of greens and he's making bomb putts. He also, of course, was was paired with Rory and Dustin Johnson for the first two rounds. So if you look at it from an all round perspective, it was a fantastic performance. I thought absolutely brilliant from Fleetwood. Um, over in the states, we had the career builder. 
Um, and John Rahm, fair play to him. You know, I had my doubts before the tournament. He arrived there. You read, I read some interviews. He knew the courses quite well. He grew up in. Oh, he's, he had, he he played a lot of golf around Scottsdale because he went to Arizona State, liked the courses, and he delivered. Um, delivered in a playoff, beating Andrew Landry ten to one. I saw. Um, and of course, this week he just goes across to the California coast for the Farmers Insurance Open. So let's get stuck into that. Before I just move on to that, just wanted to highlight one thing to listeners. We said this last week, iTunes reviews, if you can give us some ratings and some iTunes reviews, if you're listening to this on iTunes, it would be much appreciated. Okay, Farmers Insurance, Torrey Pines. Now, this tournament is played over two golf courses, the, the North Course, which is uh, a new design, actually. It was, it's a Tom Weiskopf redesign, which they played for the first time last year. That features pure bent grass greens now, and it's the easier of the two courses. And then, of course, we've got the Reese jones designed um, Torrey South, or Torrey South course, which is the one that's hosted many US Opens. Um, very, very long. It's the longest course on the PGA Tour rotor each year. So um, it's a tournament that certainly has a lot of interest this week. None more the fact that we've got John Rahm defending, Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, Hideki Matsuama, Jason Day. And then, sitting sixth in the betting, we've got one Tiger Woods. So, first question to you two. I'm going to open it up to you two. What do we think of Tiger Woods' chances this week? And what do we think of his price at 25 to 1? I'm seeing a best price at the moment as we're recording this. I, uh, bookies are always going to be scared of Tiger and especially Antari. Um, you know, the last time he was out playing, the swing looked pretty good. The long game looked pretty good. I think that the thing was there didn't seem to be any um, evidence of pain or injury or um, a problem coming from the back. So, uh, you know, to, if Tiger gets off to a decent start, 25 to 1 could look to be very generous. It could also be made to look ridiculously short if he doesn't go well. So um, it's such a, I'd say it's a nightmare being a bookie with uh, Tiger at the moment. So I can understand why it's in around there. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on the on it. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think he's probably underpriced there. Um, but I think the book is always going to do that. They know that he's going to be backed regardless. Um, do, does he win? Well, we, we shall see. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, it doesn't really strike me as a, a bet that I'd want to uh, want to be taking on. That's that's for sure. But as uh, as Barry just said, he's you know Tory Pines is um, is, is his backyard. It's, it's where where he's won a, a mass of his tournaments over the years. Um, I, I think with with a lot of these players, the bookies will always un- underprice them on the basis that they know they're going to get backed anyway. So. Um, if they'd have stuck him in at twenties, he'd be backed. If they'd stuck him in at sixteens, he'd be backed. So, um, yeah, it's, uh... it's interesting. Last last year, coming off clearly a lot of issues and and nowhere near as much action. Well, not action as such, but his, his display at the world at his own tournament was pretty poor. A couple of firms were big enough or brave enough to go forty to one. There were a few firms though: Boyle Sports, Paddy Power. Uh, William Hill. They were twenty-eight to one last year, 
So, you know, you're seeing 25s. I, I agree with both of you. I think if, if, if he'd have been priced up at anything around 33 to 1, 40 to 1, he'd have been absolutely annihilated already. And there's already a sea of blue. He's, he's just actually moved in terms of favouritism above Jason Day now on odds checker. So, well, you, you, you know, saw there's, there's money going on already. You saw the impact when he made a couple of birdies before Christmas on his um, Augusta price. And, mm-hmm. you know, Two two birdies and suddenly there's as you said there's a sea of blue um, across across the board for Tiger Woods as uh, as the golfing public the punting public goes uh, Tiger mad but uh, I I, th- I think it's great for great for golf to have him involved so um, let's uh, let's see what he does. I'll take you through some of the details of the of the South Course. Um, what tends to happen here and it was similar last year. Uh, Justin Rose was the first round leader. He shot something like six or seven under on the north course. And from that stage on, he um, shot almost level par on the south course. He was hanging on for grim death. And that's the point here. You've really got to have a reasonable performance on the north course and then hang on for grim death around the south course. And that's what kind of made Rahm's performance last year even more impressive because... I think he only shot something like seventy on the north, and then he made the rest of his rest of his uh, scoring on the on the south course itself, which was a fantastic performance. A couple of words of warning: just if you're looking at last year's performance, there had been quite a lot of rain in the build-up to this last year, so the course did play quite soft for the first couple of rounds. Um, that clearly factored in and helped the, the longer hitters. Um, it didn't make it quite as penal in terms of scoring either. Now, the course itself is a par 72. It's almost 7,700 yards. It's a beast, Torrey Pines South. The north course, by um, just compa- in comparison, is 7,258 yards, and that, again, is a par 72. So if you're looking at average scores, last year, I think, uh, Torrey Pines, the last two years, has been sec- a rank of seven. <coughs> Second hardest on the PGA Tour, and last year it was 14th hardest because it was a little bit softer. Um, last year, in terms of the North Course, it actually ranked as the 32nd easiest of all the courses. So, make a score on the North Course. The other factor here is, and I want to bring this up quite early on in our discussion, um, and I haven't at this stage actually confirmed any of my um, my tips for the preview this week. Now. You might think, well, why is that? Well, we've got a, we've got a split here, uh, north south south course, and you think, well, actually, or north course south course. You think, well, what's that got to do with it? Well, every winner here since 2010. So go back to Ben Crane; he was the last one. But 2011 through 2017, all every single winner has started on the south course on Thursday. And then on the Friday, they've gone to the north course and they've made a score. So I don't know the reasons behind that. Maybe it's a mental thing. Um, whatever it is, it's a, it's a trend that keeps continuing. And if you extend that trend out to players that have finished second and third, of 25 players since 2010, uh, so 2011 through 2017, nine of the uh, top three players have finished, have, have gone north course, south course, but 16 have gone south course, north course. And in that kind of scenario where I'm seeing two thirds of top three players and all of the winners going south course, north course, I'm going to take a view this week, which means 
probably lower prices on a lot of the players that I'm interested in. But if I'm getting players in the mix and if I can snatch a winner, I would rather take a 25-1 to 1 winner than a 33-1 to 1 winner, if you see what I mean. So that's the way I'm playing it this week in terms of the mix. Um, what are your... You two guys, uh, let's start with Barry. What are your thoughts, what are your feelings about this particular tournament when they play it at Torrey Pines every year? Do you like it? Is it a tournament that you've had some success with in the past? Are there any players that interest you this year? Um, I, I, I like when the tour gets to away from Hawaii and to California. It makes it a bit more watchable for us in um, over in this part of Europe. Um the, the Hawaiian tournaments are particularly difficult to follow, so it feels like the the beginning of this, this actual season for me, um, and this one in particular because it's uh, you know a bigger event. Um, always has good memories with the amount of times a Tiger won it over the years. I think he won it about eighty four times or something yeah, like that. Something like that. Um, which is another thing actually in his favor this week because we all know Tiger historically goes very well on courses he's performed well on before, so. Um, he'll have that good kind of long history memory uh, helping him along this week. Um, who I'm going for this week? Um, Brand Snedeker has a remarkable record around here. He does. And um, so I'm interested to see can I get some sort of nice price on him. The other one that just kind of popped in my head before, um, just during the day, as you know, golf bets are percolating in my head throughout the day, and as you're starting to think about bets and uh, any fantasy teams, as Patrick Cantley, who is just on a fantastic run of form um, for the last number of months, uh, has pretty much all aspects of the, his game firing on pretty uh, high f- uh, at high levels. You know, um, I think in the, in the little cheeky preview you've given us, he's he's ranking up in the uh, the leaderboard for putting average and greens in regulation. And yeah, just to be it. just to be clear to readers on that, part of my preview every week, golfbettingsystem.co.uk, we will, of course, uh, get it released as soon as we can. I think what we might do is actually put the preamble and all of the information and data up, and then I will uh, we will then, once I've confirmed my tips later on, potentially Tuesday night, might even be as late as Wednesday morning, I'll put my tips up, but I think we'll put most of the preamble up. What is clear, and this is a good point, Barry, um, you're looking for players this week who ideally um, can get some decent stroke gains, uh, strokes gained off the tee. I, I like longer hitters this week. Um, I know that Schneider's got a great record here, and you get, do get players like Choi, but these are good, strong, classical golf course players. And this particular week, the way I'm looking at it, it looks to me as if it's going to play firm and fast, which it didn't last year, but I think it's going to play firm and fast because, as we know, California, especially before Christmas, you know, the months of drought. There has been some rain in January, as we know, but for the last 10 days and there's none forecast for the tournament, I think that course is going to play quite firm and fast, and we've seen that in past years. But for me, longer hitters, guys that can really... Um, decent total drivers and guys that can attack the par fives on the south course, because really, on this south course... Um, there aren't many short par fours. The real scoring holes are a number of par threes and the par fives. That's where you can that's where you can get under under par on this golf course. 
So clearly, the longer hitters do have an advantage in that in that actual respect. Um, I tell you the the stats that I find interesting this week. Um, just when you look at previous winners around here, and this and this links in nicely to your views on Cantley. Actually, um, I like birdie uh, birdie average. Uh, I like par fives birdie and better. I like uh, putting average because I don't care what anyone says. Yes. Being a decent ball striker helps. I understand that, but you've got to uh, you've got to be be a decent putter around here to get the job done. I mean, we've seen obviously Schneider can putt well. We knew that Woods and his pomp was a great putter. John Rahm was in decent nick with a short stick last year as well when he came here and won on course debut. The first person since 1957 Rahm was to win on course debut. I think. Um, a guy with a high ball flight can uh, have a big advantage around here. And I'm also looking for players that are doing particularly well so far this season on the all-round ranking, which makes sense on a classical golf course and a golf course that's likely... I, I think, potentially, we could be seeing a score around about the 8 to 10, 11 under mark winning this. It's going to be, for a PGA Tour tournament, I think it's going to be quite technical in terms of high scoring. And looking at those numbers, Barry, Cantley ticks the box across all five of those key statistics this week from what I'm seeing. So we're just going all in on Cantley, uh, one pick. <laughs> well, 40, and 40 to 1 isn't an unreasonable price, is it? Not for a golfer of his quality. I think it's a nice one. And he is a California native, lived, uh, grew up just up the road in Long Beach as well. So um, we all know how the Californians love playing in the home state. Uh, one other uh, kind of young stud I'd uh, look at as well is Ali Schneiderjans, who yeah. um, he's got a he has a lot of good stats um, that would match up to this. And you know, this is um, this is Ram's first win last year, wasn't it on the PGA Tour? It was, yes. Yeah, so I mean, the the young lads kind of pay note to that, and they think, geez, well, you know, John Ram's gone and done this in the last kind of 16, 18 months. This was his decide of his first win. Why can't I go get my first win at the same place? And, you know, that that tiny little extra motivation could be that one or two shots that gets them home um, come Sunday. Schneider Dance was interesting because we were, I, I was going to go uh, heavily in on Schneider Dance last week at uh, the Career Builder. He pulled out, if you remember, very late in the day. Now he's in this field, so. Whether that was a tweak or whether he just wanted to really save his powder, he knows he's playing well, and he he was top ten here last year, I believe. Snyder Jans, mm-hmm. yeah, and we know he's long, he's powerful. When he's in his pomp, he's hitting lots of greens, and at the moment he seems to have gone slightly into reverse. Less greens, but the putter is red hot. I think he's a serious danger this week, Snyder Jans, and I'm seeing as big as fifty-five to one about him at the moment. That's that'd be a nice win. He's, de- he's definitely a player of interest to me. I know that for a fact. Any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, it's, I, you know, in, in looking at the tournament in terms of um, it being a, a classical, a tougher test, um, it kind of throws up the players that you know are going to be able to better handle that kind of um, that kind of challenge. And at the top of the market, I'd I'd be hard pressed to go past Justin Rose. I must say. Um, you know, at the back end of last year, he won, he won three times um, in pretty quick succession over um, on the European Tour and then on, uh, on one of the secondary tours as well. I forget exactly where it was. Um, fourth last year, um, I think you know the, the guy's going to have going to have a big year um, ahead of him as well, um, uh, you know, alongside some of the other names that we've mentioned. So. So, yeah. He looked. He looked. I mean, it was clearly a rusty performance last week in Abu Dhabi. But actually, 
when you look at, I mean, his putter was stone cold. But that's what, and you know, these are the tendencies we know that you get with these experienced players. You can see from season to season how they actually, how they work, how they react. Fact yeah. of the matter was, he was fifth for greens in regulation last week. Well, and if you look at it, he started very slowly. He had a bogey-free weekend. The momentum was starting to flow through his game. And it, well, once you know, if you get him, get him to a track where the scoring is going to be a bit lower, which is going to be lower this week, um, then you know that, that should suit him. That should suit him better. It's, it's not going to be an all-out birdie fest. It's not going to be. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be more along the kind of lines where you expect Justin Rose to uh, to, uh, to to show some uh, show some form. So, sixteen. If you can, this is it. If you can keep your nose clean. If you can shoot a, I don't know, a 68, a 67 around that north course, yeah? Mm. And you can then shoot, I don't know, two, three under par across 54 holes on the south course. I don't think you're going to be a million miles away. And a lot of that could be being long enough and aggressive enough on the par fives to hit greens, two putt. And if your scrambling game's in good nick and, you know, and, and your distance putting's okay and you're making lots of par putts, you can seriously be in contention this week. And I think Rose's game does fit. That That's clear for all to see. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I think it's got a chance. And so, you know, seeing him kind of improve during the course of the, uh, the, the four days last week. Um, yeah, he's got he's got to fly over. Um, you know, you clearly got the, the jet lag issue to overcome. But, um, yeah, he's an experienced man. He knows, uh, he knows how to handle these things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if he wasn't um, in the mix in some shape or form, Rose. I, yeah, and you know, you've got the likes of Rose. Clearly, you've got Hideki at the moment as well. He doesn't seem to be firing all its cylinders, Hideki. And I, I don't like... I always think that Hideki struggles on... This is another thing for listeners. This is pure Poana this, this uh, week uh, for the South course. So 54 holes on pure Poana greens, and a lot of players do not get on with that. Now, I've, I, re- I see various things on the internet about Hideki and he can handle po- Poana. But I think um, if you look at Hideki on pure Poana, he struggles with the putter big style. If you've got some bent grass mixed in there, I think he's a decent proposition, as we saw at, at Firestone last year. But on pure Poana, I genuinely believe he struggles. A few names that jump to, jump to my or front of my brain this week before we move on to Dubai, because I know we need to... Uh, we need to get this up and oh, finish quite early tonight. Um, I do like the look potentially of Mark Leishman. I think he's playing some great golf. You can probably take away the performance that, at the Sony Open where he, he didn't do very well. But from a price of 16 to 1, he's now 25 to 1 on a course where he's actually finished second twice. Um, I think Patrick Cantley is a decent shout. If you look at raw statistics and you look at the fact that this guy was fourth here last year, I think Tony Finau at forty to one might have a little bit of juice about him. He uh, again statistically looks very very strong this week, and we know that he hits it a long long way. Another player that also I like around the Schneider Jans price is Kyle Stanley. Now, if we remember with Stanley going back to twenty, I think it was twenty thirteen when Schneider won. It should have been a Kyle Stanley victory. We know what happened on the 72nd hole. Um, Stanley clearly got on with the course very well that week. Then went follow, uh, the week after t- TPC Scottsdale, where he won his first PGA Tour title. I think Stanley, I'm seeing a little bit of 60-1 to 1 about Stanley, who uh, played well at the Sony Open, is hitting tons of greens, which is his trademark. But he's also putting particularly well. 
Um, and then we've got the likes of a Gary Woodland, who again is uh, he played very well at the Sony Open Woodland. I know that um, when it comes to him contending at the the real, um, he's a little bit. Who's the player I'm thinking of? He's a little bit like George Coetzee. He can completely capitulate <laughs> at the end of a tournament. But I am seeing as big as sixty six to one about um, Gary Woodland at the moment. And if you think about that as an each way price, that. That isn't a bad shout whatsoever. Other players that potentially might interest me, Johnny Vegas. He didn't disappoint too badly last week, 11th. I think Vegas has got some good results around here. And then uh, if you really want to take a flyer and you're not looking for immediate form this season, someone that ended last year on fire was Charlie Hoffman. I'm seeing Hoffman at 66s. So those are the kind of players that have come into my... Um, realms of thinking for this Um, but as I said I will be uh, presenting my confirmed tips either late or later tomorrow Tuesday or potentially Wednesday morning but we will put the preview up and all of the uh, data and all of the information from the preview as quickly as we can tomorrow morning Tuesday right let's move on to Dubai Paul take us through the Dubai Desert Classic and uh, take us through what kind of rough outlines you're thinking in terms of skill sets and uh, what we need to be looking for at the Dubai Desert Classic this week? So so the, the, the tour stays over in the Middle East um, for another week. Um, as we said last week, the, uh, the schedule's changed a bit. So where we would normally have been going to Qatar now after Abu Dhabi, we're going straight to uh, Dubai to the... Um, Emirates Golf Club and the Majlis Course, um, which um, they've been playing for, I think this is the 29th uh, renewal now. So lots of course history, um, decent enough uh, field. So you've got the likes of Rory, Sergio, uh, Stenson, Fleetwood from last week's winner, uh, Hatton, Grace, uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, Ross Fisher who pushed... Um, pushed uh, Fleetwood all the way last week. So there's a decent enough uh, field assembled. Uh, not quite the same level as, as Abu Dhabi. Um, clearly there's not quite the uh, same amount of uh, appearance money flying about this week as there was last <laughs> week. But, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. $1.4 million I read DJ got for turning up in Abu Dhabi last week. It's a tough gig, isn't it? Tough it's a tough old gig bar, isn't it? Did, did that beat the winner's cheque? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Considerably. Three times, yeah. <laughs> It's um, so yes, but even so, there's uh, as I said, there's there's still a, a decent enough um, field that's there, and if um, I think there'll be a lot of uh, excitement and interest in it this year, because if you look at the last two Dubai Desert Classic Classic winners in the shape of uh, Danny Willett and Sergio Garcia, both guys went on to win the Masters in April of that same year, so. Um, I expect, as we saw with the Sea of Blue on, on Woods when he made a uh, birdie uh, before Christmas, any player who's showing um, a particular aptitude to playing well this week may well be uh, backed off the boards during the uh, course of the tournament this week for the Masters. So I have to jump in at this point because before we started recording the show, and Barry will back me up on this because he's his number one fan, Paul said that he'd be very interested in tipping up Henrik Stenson for this. So he's telling telling us that Danny Willett and Sergio Garcia won here and then went to Augusta and won the Masters. If Stenson was to win this week, he's guaranteed to win at Augusta, Barry. What do you think about that? That would be lovely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced about Henrik in Augusta no. after going extremely heavy on him last year. 
I can uh, see him winning this week, though. Yeah, yeah, he um, wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But uh, yeah, I'd still be just <laughs> going for the three-peat on the uh, Dubai Desert, Desert Classic and Augusta uh, Masters winner. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I don't know. I, I guess he's going to feel a little better going to Augusta this year than he has done before. Um, now that he's a major champion, I suppose he won that in 2016, so he went to the one last year feeling better than he did before, so, which didn't really help my bets. Um, I, know, I, know, I know that we've changed subjects, Paul. I do apologise, but when you look at Henrik, you always look at his stats, you think, God, oh, why doesn't he go well at Augusta? Yeah, he should do, shouldn't he? he and then invariably really finishes 24th or something like that. Perhaps this is the year after after he wins this week, and then uh, yeah. it takes the positive no. vibes forward to, uh, to to Georgia in in the start of April. We shall see. Why do you it's think been... Why do you think the two courses do marry up, Paul? I'm I'm not sure. There's a direct correlation. There's a requirement for um, high greens and regulation. Um, it's nowhere near as long the Dubai courses um, as Augusta, but. Um, Perhaps it's more about positive vibes that you're getting from having a, a, a good start to the season. But uh, mm. you know, it's, it's either a complete anomaly that um, we, you know will not be repeated in our uh, our lifetime, or as you say, the winner will go and win it this year, and everyone will be scratching their heads saying, "I, I should have backed him the second he won the uh, Dubai Desert Classic." I know that you're pulling together your preview, um, and you're going to be you're going to be releasing it potentially later today, or might be in the morning. Are there any trends, anything from form lines, anything that you've, you've that's jumped off the page that you think listeners need to be looking out for? Yeah, it's, well, apart from from greens and regulation, which is the key stat here, I think what's what's happened over the years is um, this course has played um, reasonably tough when it's been windy, and when it's been windy, you've found a lot of um, links. Uh, Strong links players have started to come to the fore. So you've got the likes of Els, um, McRoy won, uh, has won, won twice, um, Woods has won here, Marco Mira. Um, there's you know there's a number of players that you'd um, you'd look at and say, well, you know they're clearly capable of playing on a links type setup. For, you know, it's clearly not a links setup. It's a de- it's a desert course, um, but it is uh, more classical in its style in terms of how it plays than the likes of Abu Dhabi. There are a lot of dog legs there um, when it is dry, but when it's windy, you have to uh, you know you have to change the way you play the game to uh, to, to get around the course. Um, so greens and regulation is strong. Um, one other aspect that I've found when I've dug through the uh, the previous winners is that they've actually had generally a strong greens and regulation performance further back in the past so um, from this particular course so players going to this course for the first time generally going to need a couple of attempts to actually get their heads around how to play the track um, and those who've done that in the past they've worked out um, how, to, how to get around how to hit a maximum number of greens um, and then have gone back a year to five later and um, and, and have you know have converted that into a uh, into a winning opportunity or, or a victory further down the line. Um, other than that, there's not a massive amount to draw on to, I must say. Um, most of the winners here have come in with decent enough form. Um, you'd expect that to a degree because it's a decent uh, a decent field. So um, if you go back to the last eight winners, they've all had a top 10 in at least the last eight starts. But yeah, that doesn't tell you a massive amount, I guess, because you'd expect most of the... Uh, most of the players to have done that um, anyway if they're going to come and win that kind of a, a size tournament. 
Um, and then in terms of event form, well, if you go back, if you if you look past Sergio's win um, last year, then virtually every winner going back to 2006 had come off the back of a top 20 in this event the year before. So, right. um, you know, looking at purely at form and last year performance, you tend to get some very strong clues here. The problem with that is that you then end up with what is a particularly poor price on the potential winner because... You know, a lot of golf punters, the starting point is going to be, well, who's playing well, who played well here last year, who's played well in this track before. Everyone comes to the same conclusion and uh, the price on that those particular players are, uh, are particularly low. So, I don't know, you could either argue for that or argue against it. I mean, the way the way I'm looking, I'm kind of being led down that same route myself and I'm guessing that a lot of people are going to kind of go down the same same course over the uh, for this particular event. So um, I'm looking at players, and the top top of my list is Henrik Stenson, who we talked about a second ago. And um, it was interesting listening to to Henrik from uh, from from last week, who talked about his game being in the kind of shape um, that it was when he won the Wyndham back in the uh, summer over on mm. the PGA Tour. Um, and he's a previous winner here. Um, he's got incoming form um, from this event of sixth and then second from last year and the guy can play the course we know he's fantastic on Bermuda we know he's fantastic in the desert so um, you're getting 12 to 1 against him currently um, he's going to be backed in um, and that's that's undoubtedly the case so um, I'm, at that price I'm looking at a win only bet so I'm uh, I'm going uh, four points to win on Stenson at 12s and um, we'll see how he gets on um, further down, Fitzpatrick, um, another player who played well last week. Um, he shot 63 in the uh, third round over in Abu Dhabi and hold absolutely everything. And um, it's interesting with Fitzpatrick. We know his game. It's about precision, tee to green. Um, but um, he was, I think he was second for putting average over the course of the week last week in Abu Dhabi. And that's yeah, a, I, that, I saw that he had a very hot putter. That's that's a huge sign for a player like him that is uh, you know that his game's on on point and that he's um, he's ready for a he's ready for a big contending performance. He did a lot. Well, he did all of his pre-season uh, training and his pre-season uh, preparation over on this uh, Majlis course in Dubai, um, and he was doing all of his. Um, his uh, distances with his with his irons, getting getting everything absolutely honed in. So you know he's going to feel absolutely at home um, for returning there after a week away in Abu Dhabi. And um, I think you can hit the ground running. Now again, you're not getting a fantastic price with Fitzpatrick. Um, you know he's coming in off decent form. He's came, coming in off a fifth place finish last year. Um, but twenty to one um, with seven places with Coral um, for fifth of the odds. I'll take that. Um, two points each way, and uh, you know, with, with two relatively or two short prices at the top, I'd expect to get a very good run for money off those those players. Going back to that Augusta link, remember Fitzpatrick was one of the very rare guys that on debut at Augusta finished in the top ten. So again, there's a, another another link in there between the two courses and the two tournaments, and. I know for a fact Fitzpatrick, he's, he's heavily into his track man. And as you said, there was a lot of information coming out of his training camp that he was he was working on the course and, and doing all of his hard work before last week's... Uh, he played... Did he go out to the Far East and play in the Eurasia Cup? He did, didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. And then, um, yeah, in terms of the stroke play, he played obviously over in um, yeah. Abu Dhabi. But yeah, his, his pre-preparation before that was all on actually on this track over at the Emirates Golf Club. So, so um, actually, he's had a lot of golf in the first two weeks or the first you know first two weeks on the European Tour. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, is, what, which is what you want. It's a, it's, it's a big year, you know, for all of these um, players aspiring to make the Ryder Cup team. It's a big year, and he's clearly taking it very, uh, very seriously. Um, talking about Augusta with Fitzpatrick, and you know, for me, in my mind, that that's too long a track for him to compete. This is seven thousand three hundred yards. The last couple of years, they've um, they've mown the grass here towards the t- towards the greens as opposed to against it. So again, where you've got that differential at Augusta, where the, the ball just hits the fairway and stops, here it hits the hits the fairway and rolls on uh, and bounces right. on, uh, which shortens the course. Now, the mat, if you if you look at him, he's clearly been working out. He's clearly put on a bit of bulk as well. So he knows what he needs to do to improve his game to really um, contend at these bigger tournaments and. Um, you know, Again, with a um, he's he's got a Dubai uh, win to his name. Um, he won over at the Earth Course in uh, twenty sixteen when he held off uh, Till Hatton. So you know, there's, there's no fear for him in in this environment and this kind of track. I don't think. And um, a couple of longer shots that have caught my eye as well. Um, firstly, Andy Sullivan, who um, played really well for the first couple of days last week, and then drifted away at the weekend. And if you looked at his stats at the halfway point, he'd hit more greens in regulation than Tommy Fleetwood. Now, it takes some doing to be able to, uh, to, to top Tommy for any greens and regulation stat, but uh, clearly at the halfway point, he was doing really well. He was, uh, he was three shots off the lead, I think, and, and playing well. Um, and he's got a couple of top four finishes here. Um, hundreds of one you currently get in a game Andy Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep my eye on a lot of the of top European tour players, just my statistics capture. And you can tell with Andy, he's been hitting the ball off the tee really well. And then his greens in regulation and the rest of his game has been poor. So now if he's if he's going from the stage of being hit, able to hit fairways and now he's hitting greens as well, that natural progression something that's very attractive, especially on a course where he's got form and he's 100 to 1. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you put it all together and I think um, for an each-way punt here, um, you know, I think you can mm. do far, far worse than taking someone like Sullivan on, who has got that form. And he's also finished second at the Earth Course as well. He finished second behind Rory, must have been 2015, I think, um, when he was having you know, a bit of a purple patch in his form, Andy. And um, yeah. you know, it, again, he's, he's more than capable of getting himself into the mix here, I think. He's, he needs to last a full four days. Clearly, that didn't quite happen last week, but he's feeling his way back into the season. And, uh, you know, he should be better for the run, um, as it were. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the, the last guy who caught my eye um, was a, a young American called Sean Crocker, um, who hasn't played a great deal of golf. Um, he's a 21-year-old. Um, he's only played eight uh, pro events so far. He had a fantastic um, amateur career, as you'd understand. But uh, he's playing over here on, a, on an invite at the moment. Um, he finished 16th in Hong Kong. Um, you know, to, to go over there on your first look at Hong Kong and finish in the top 20, um, it's a, it's, a, it's a decent barometer for what kind of player anyway because that's, that's a horrendous track to go over there and play on, uh, on debut um, seventh at the Aussie PGA sixth in Singapore last week um, and he's top and his greens and regulation stats over those three events uh, three events he's ranked fourth sixth and fifth so wow. he's clearly <laughs> got a bit about him this lad he hits it 310 315 hits mm. greens for fun um, I think he's going to be one of these names that we'll be talking about um, in six, twelve, eighteen months' time, saying you know, Sean Crocker ten to one to win X, Y, Z tournament, and uh, 
we're currently getting 200 to 1 against him. So, so he could be like a Brooks Coke, uh, Kepka. He could be like a Julian Shuri. What these guys that have started to actually build their career career with a, with some decent impetus on the European tour. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's uh, you know he's got he's got an invite over here at the moment to to have a play, uh, you know, to have a, have a go at this uh, particular uh, tournament and. Uh, We'll see where it takes him from there. He's sixth in Singapore at the weekend. Um, that earned him an Open Championship start. So, you know, he's already starting to get these um, invitations and, and uh, you know, access to some of these events that uh, are going to propel him through to, uh, to to stardom, I think. So, one to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a punt, as we know. You know, I wouldn't be able to pick him out on TV at the moment, um, you know, in a room of other golfers. But... Uh, we shall uh, we shall see how he progresses and uh, two hundred to one. I'll uh, I'll take half a point each way on him. What are your thoughts, Barry? Do you buy a Desert Classic? Are there? I know that you like a longer price. Are there any particular players that have caught your eye? <clears throat> Not too long, but that Sean Crocker one does really catch my eye when I hear two hundred to one with uh, more more than uh, blind logic to it anyway, or throwing a dart at the board <laughs> of all the two hundred to one shots. I. Um, a couple of guys that caught my interest, Thomas Peters, um, I've seen him doing uh, an awful lot of work on his game recently. He has kind of been getting a little bit better at this uh, course over you know, his three attempts. He's got a 42nd, a miscut, and a 23rd. Um, but interestingly, he also has a very good uh, result at Augusta. So, you know, that's enough to get me interested and have a good look at him. And he's around uh, available at up to 33s. He played really yeah, well absolutely. last week, Thomas, um, yeah, right, right until the uh, sort of business end of the tournament. So um, he's, he, 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 I think he's the kind of guy who's got a, got a major in him further down the line. So, uh, so yeah, I can see that. And there's 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 lots of logic between Abu Dhabi and and Dubai, and you know we you do get desert specialists and you get guys that contend across the two courses and at Qatar. So there's no reason why Peters can't get his head around this track. No, no, not at all. Um, who else kind of caught my eye? Uh, ben An, fortieth um, last week, but has a couple of very good results here: thirteenth and a fourth to his name. So um, that's the kind of thing that will get me uh, quite interested and. You know, the bookies of some of the bookies have kind of uh, accidentally let him go. He can I, a couple of them still have him at eighty to one. Yeah. Um, so he's he's, know, he's got some decent desert form. We know that, and we, he was leading yeah. over in Scottsdale, wasn't he, last year on the PGA Tour in the desert? So he clearly likes the environment. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, he interests me, and then another one who seems to be almost a core specialist is. Um, Torbjorn Ollison, who's uh, he can get around sixty sixes or so. Yeah. So uh, those are three kind of mid rangers. Uh, well, two mid rangers and one kind of short. And Peters that kind of have my uh, have my interest. The amount of conversations that we've had about Torbjorn and the fact that you should never back him when he's playing. You know, when he's actually just contended and finishing the top ten. Always, no, always, <laughs> always back him when his nut when his form is looking decidedly dodgy. That's <laughs> so true. He comes from nowhere. Um, do you think he sandbags just to make his price go out a bit more, so all his friends can make loads of money on him? Yeah, quite possibly. Lots, lots of <laughs> lots of missed cuts, and then uh, dive in for the uh, two hundred to one winner. That's he didn't play. Uh, he, he didn't play abysmally last week by any stretch of the imagination. No, no it's he, a phenomenal he t- t- talent to be able to turn it on when uh, when asked. I'm seeing a, a lot of money on odds checker Paul on Alexander Levy. What, where, where's that coming from? What, 
what are your I, views on that? We well, played really well last week, um, finished seventh, I think. He, he, he did reasonably well at the Eurasia Cup as well. Um, for me, it's not not his kind of track. I think he needs a, you know, a, a risk reward track that um, you're going to go out and shoot twenty under potentially um, on bent grass greens. And for me, it's um, it's kind of anti a lot of those different factors. Yeah, he played well last week on Bermuda. I, I get that, um, but. Um, I, you, you know me, Steve. I'm, I'm one of Levy's um, biggest fans, but um, I pick and choose when I'm going to back him, and uh, it isn't this week. So, um, no doubt we'll go and win there. Potentially, you just don't know, do you? But yeah, um, yeah it's just interesting to see where the weight of money's going here right now. Right, I think that's us done for the uh, done for the show. Um, I'd like to thank Barry for his time, as ever. Thanks for uh, for coming on. Have you have you got any plans for a good talk? Uh, a good, uh, a good talk spoiled uh, episodes coming out soon. Yeah, we're gonna try get together this week, and we now have um, we now have two microphones, so we are not location dependent anymore. So we can uh, that makes uh, getting a podcast together a bit easier rather than having to get together in the one spot. Good. So yeah, expect them to be more regular from now on. We look and, forward uh, to it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Good fun to be back, and uh, always love coming on with you guys here as well. And, uh, finding out some proper stats about golf rather than the ones I imagine in my head from my fairy tale bets. Well, thank you for your input tonight, Barry. Thank you for You're your welcome. thank you for yours, Paul, as well as ever. I hope uh, I hope you have another good week backing up Westwood. Um, as we said, uh, previews will be out later in the week. Uh, could be t- could be tonight for Paul. Could be tomorrow morning, and uh, it could be Tuesday for myself, uh, or potentially Wednesday morning for the actual tips themselves. Right, thanks for listening. We will see you again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.